Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 13th program in this series. In this program, I'm going to begin in John chapter 4, where Jesus went to go speak with the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans were a separate group from the Jews. There was conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And so when Jesus went to go speak with the Samaritans, this was significant, and there was a lot to talk about. The conflict began a few hundred years before Jesus began his ministry at this time, but where I would really like to start would be with the death of King Solomon. When King Solomon died, the kingdom of Israel split into two parts. There was the northern part and the southern part. The northern part had ten tribes, or approximately ten tribes, and there were two tribes in the southern part. That was Benjamin and Judah. The Levitical tribe was divided as well because there were Levites who had settled in Levitical communities in the northern part of Israel, and there were other Levites who had settled in the southern part of Israel, and it was split about in half. But this is really where things got started because eventually there was war. The Israelites in the north, they failed to live in obedience to the Mosaic law, and so God sent the Assyrians to Israel to make war against the tribes that were known as the Israelites at that time. And they conquered the land, and they took a number of the Israelites as slaves to the north. And they also imported some of their people down into the lands of Israel to the south. According to the records that we have, it was about one-fifth of the Israelites were taken to the north, and about four-fifths of the Israelites remained there, but they remained as subjects to the Assyrian Empire. As subjects, they were required to pay taxes, and they were required to supply troops for the Assyrian army that would be able to participate in the wars of the Assyrians. The kingdom of Judah was able to survive a little while longer, but eventually they also committed sin to the extent where God sent the Babylonians to invade, and they took over all of the regions that the Assyrians had taken possession of, and they also continued to the south and took possession of all the lands of Judah. And at this time, the Judeans were taken captive and taken to the north as slaves for the Babylonian Empire. So the Israelite nation under Solomon was divided into two parts, the Israelites to the north and the Jews to the south. The Israelites to the north, they were dispersed a little bit. One-fifth was taken into captivity in slavery. The others were allowed to remain. But many of those people who remained also went to other regions in the world at that time. And then the Jews to the south, they were taken into Babylon when the Babylonian Empire came in and conquered the area. 
So there was a division in terms of the split of the kingdom of Israel under Solomon, mainly over taxes. And then there was another division that took place because of the wars that followed as judgment against the Israelites and the Jews. Eventually, the Jews were permitted to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the temple and rebuild their lives. But when they returned to Israel, they returned to the region of Judah to reestablish the nation of Israel. When they returned, they stopped by and spent some time with the Samaritans. They came in contact with the Samaritans. They had conversations with the Samaritans in order to introduce themselves and to talk about how they may be able to work together. However, there was a dramatic change, a significant change that took place in Babylon with regards to the religious beliefs of the Jews when they were returning. This change in their beliefs had to do with how would you properly identify a Jew? What would be the way that a person would be identified? Well, historically, this was done through genealogies. People would keep records with regards to who the parents were, who the children were. And through these records, a person would be able to establish their national identity as a Jew or as an Israelite. Now, from what we can tell, the Samaritans did continue to maintain records. And these records were normally maintained for the purpose of properly assigning land to individuals to properly assert inheritance rights when it came to property, when it came to the land where the people were dwelling. Now, according to the Mosaic Law, the genealogies that were significant when it came to property rights were the genealogies according to the paternal line. A person would have their rights to the land, rights to land, rights to property, on the basis of who their father was. And their identity, their proper identity as an Israelite was defined by who their father was, by the paternal line. And this was well understood in the Mosaic Law. It was established mainly because it was the men who really worked the land, and it was also the men who defended the land. In the event that a father did not have any sons, but he had daughters, then the daughters would be able to receive the land, receive ownership of the land, when the father died. However, they were not permitted to marry outside of the tribe, because once they were married, then their husband would take possession over those lands, and he would have complete responsibility and authority to maintain and to work and to secure and protect those lands. So the Samaritans who were still in the land, who remained in the land, they maintained their genealogical records and their identity as Israelites according to the paternal line, the paternal lineage. When the Jews returned from Babylon, they made a change. They believed that the proper way to identify a Jew was according to the maternal line, and not the paternal line. They made this decision because of something that God said with regards to people getting married and the fact that there would be a son who would be of a Gentile father, but this son would be considered to be an Israelite according to God. 
based on that statement that was found in the scriptures, the Jews made the decision that they would no longer maintain the identity of a person according to the paternal line, but now according to the maternal line. And so when they went back to Jerusalem and they stopped off and spent some time with the Samaritans, they discovered that the Samaritans maintained the genealogies according to the Mosaic law, but the Jews had made this change and maintained their identity according to the maternal line. And this was a point of disagreement. Now, the Jews were able to accommodate this because they were slaves in Babylon. And being slaves in Babylon, they didn't have any land. There was no land to inherit. So when they returned to Jerusalem in order to reorganize the community, they could easily reorganize the community according to the maternal line, but they did also maintain the genealogical records according to the paternal line, as we know those records were in the temple. Now, this difference, this difference in beliefs, was the beginning of the conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews. Who really is properly identified as an Israelite or as a Jew? How do we do that? This was a conflict that began when the Jews returned. Now, it wasn't such a big deal to the Samaritans right away because the Samaritans had built a whole new life, a whole new community, and they were not actively involved in anything that was going on to the south of them in Jerusalem. It was the Jews who came into the region and they established communities there and they rebuilt the temple and they began the practices of the temple, the ceremonies, the sacraments, and the sacrifices. Now, once they constructed the temple and got things operating to an extent, once they had their operations taking place in Jerusalem in order to observe the Mosaic law with regards to the temple practices, once they did that, then there could have been an opportunity for the Samaritans to come and participate in the things of the temple. There was an opportunity, but when the Samaritans went to Jerusalem, if they went there to Jerusalem, to participate in things like the Passover, or the Feast of Tabernacles, or the Feast of Weeks, or observe the Day of Atonement, or present sacrifices and offerings, those kinds of things, the Jews did not allow the Samaritans to participate in the things of the temple. And the reason why was because the Jews asserted that the Samaritans did not maintain their genealogical records properly. They took the position that the way that a person would be properly identified as a Jew or as an Israelite was through the maternal line. If your mother was Jewish, you were Jewish. That was what they decided. And the Samaritans had maintained their records according to the paternal line, and so they were not permitted to participate in the things of the temple in Jerusalem. It was the Jews who made that decision that the Samaritans would not be permitted to participate. So the Samaritans responded, and around 330 B.C., they constructed their own temple on Mount Gerizim. And they even rewrote the Mosaic Law. They rewrote the scriptures that they had. And instead of 
using the mountain there in Jerusalem, they replaced it with Mount Gerizim. They changed the scriptures. We know that they did that. And they built a temple there that they could use in order to observe the law to the extent that they could. They did not have these practices and they did not have this temple before the Jews built theirs. This was something that the Samaritans did in response to the Jews building theirs and the Jews rejecting them and not permitting them to participate in the things of the temple. And so there was a new conflict. Not only was there a conflict concerning how would we properly identify an Israelite, but now we've got a new conflict such that the Samaritans are worshiping God at the wrong location, and they have also altered the scriptures. But it was the fact that they were worshiping at an alternate location. It was that issue that really created a conflict between the Samaritans and the Jews, such that the Samaritans were rejected even more by the Jews, because, of course, the Jews could refer to the Scriptures and assert, they could assert the validity of their claims that the Samaritans were not obedient to God because they were violating the laws concerning where they were to meet with God and observe the commandments with regards to the temple and the temple ceremonies, sacrifices, offerings, and sacraments, those kinds of things. But that's not where the conflict ended. Later on, we had the Maccabean Wars. And when the Maccabean Wars took place, the Seleucid Empire, headed up by Antiochus IV, They came down from the north to try and get the Israelites, the Samaritans, and the Jews to blend in more with the Seleucid Empire, to be identified more as Greeks, as members of the empire who was in charge of that region at that time. And laws were imposed against them that were to prevent the people from practicing Judaism from living in obedience to the Mosaic law. The Seleucids were wanting to do this mainly because they were trying to encourage people to have a little bit more of a patriotic identity as being part of the Seleucid Empire and also be encouraged to maybe provide an increase in taxation so that the Seleucids would find it a little easier to collect taxes and pay off their debts to the Romans. I explained this in the programs that I produced on Hanukkah where I explained the history and the background of the Maccabean Wars during this time. Now, at this point in history, there was a decision to be made. Would the people turn aside from the Mosaic Law, no longer observe the Mosaic Law, and adopt the religion, the beliefs, the pagan Greek philosophy that was being pressed upon them by Antiochus IV? Would they do that or would they rebel? Well, the Samaritans, they decided that they would subject themselves to the decree of Antiochus IV, and they decided that they would worship the gods of the Greeks and that they would comply with the laws that were imposed on them that would prevent them from properly obeying the Mosaic law. The Samaritans decided to do that. The Jews decided not to do that. 
And when the Jews decided not to do that, that was the beginning of the Maccabean Wars. Now, the Samaritans were kind of stuck in the middle. If they did not comply with Antiochus, if they did not comply and they decided to rebel, well, they didn't have a very good relationship with the Jews at this time anyway. And so if they were to try to join in with the Jews and merge their armies together, well, the Samaritans would not necessarily be well accepted. They might very well be the first ones sent out to battle by the military leaders just because it would be in the interest of the Jews to see the Samaritans killed first. There were all kinds of issues that the Samaritans had to think about, had to deal with, and the fact that they did not have a good relationship with the Jews made it easier for the Samaritans to just go ahead and comply with Antiochus IV because if they didn't, they would not necessarily have the military support of the Jews such that they would be able to wage war, participate in the war that was going to take place between the Jews and the Seleucid Empire. But the Jews saw it differently. They saw the Samaritans as people who officially and formally rejected the God of Israel through what they did. They set up the idols of the Greeks in the temple that they had constructed on Mount Gerizim, for example, and they observed the laws of Antiochus IV, such as not complying with the Sabbath law. They would not circumcise their children. They would not comply with the dietary laws that were given by Moses, things like that. And so the Jews saw the Samaritans as a people who had rebelled against God, who were traitors against the Mosaic law. So this was a new conflict. First, they had the issue of how are we going to properly identify ourselves. Then they had the issue of observing the Mosaic law at the wrong location, which mountain is it going to be on? And then they complied with Antiochus IV and they rejected the God of Israel in a formal way. Now, after the Maccabean Wars, the Samaritans were allowed to reconstruct their lives, rebuild their lives, and they did return to living in obedience to the dietary laws, to the Sabbath law, and their temple was cleaned out and they worshipped God once again, according to the Mosaic law, at their temple on Mount Gerizim. They did that. But this was still an issue between the Samaritans and the Jews from a historical standpoint. And also, you have to keep in mind that from a religious point of view, it is in the interest of the Jews to reject the Samaritans as much as possible because their pride could be increased by effectively stepping on the Samaritans to elevate themselves. And what I mean by that is that they needed the Samaritans to compare themselves with so that they could say that they are great people before God. They are good people. They are a holy people compared with the Samaritans who are not. So they needed the Samaritans from a religious point of view to have someone to compare themselves with and make themselves look better and feel better and perhaps try to obtain the favor of God because they had these evil people around them, that sort of thing. But we do know, according to the writings of the Jews, of the Pharisees, 
we do know that they were living in obedience to the dietary laws. And because they were, at the time when Jesus was conducting his ministry, because they were, the Pharisees did agree that you could do business with the Samaritans. That you could do. You could trade with the Samaritans because they observed the dietary laws. So if you wanted to buy food from the Samaritans, or of course if you wanted to sell food to the Samaritans, but it was mainly about whether or not you could purchase food from the Samaritans, especially unleavened bread during the time of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. According to the Pharisees, they stated that the Samaritans complied with the law adequately to the extent where you could purchase food from the Samaritans. So this is the background, this is the history that you need to know if you're really going to understand and appreciate what is described here in John chapter 4, in the Gospel of John chapter 4. So beginning in John chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. In verse 7, it states that his disciples went in to buy food. As I was explaining earlier, that the Pharisees considered it perfectly fine if you wanted to do business with the Samaritans and purchase food from them because they were living in obedience to the dietary laws to their satisfaction. But while the disciples are off purchasing some food, Jesus sits by the well, a woman of Samaria... A Samaritan woman comes to the well during a time when it was not expected that she would be there, the sixth hour. A woman goes there to draw water and Jesus speaks to her. He speaks to her and he asks her, give me a drink. Now, this is a very serious thing for Jesus to be saying to the Samaritan woman. Because in general, men did not speak with women like this. They didn't talk with each other. Culturally speaking, if there was a single man and a single woman, they didn't have any opportunity to talk with one another outside of being inside of one of their homes, usually while their parents were visiting each other. The only way that a single man or a single woman could speak to each other was at the public well. And in this circumstance, it was permitted for a man to ask a woman for a drink of water. However, it was generally assumed that if the guy was asking the lady for a drink of water, it was assumed that he was letting her know that he had an interest in her personally. That was the culture at that time. That was how people related to each other at that time. Those were the rules of the society. 
at that time in history. And so when the man would ask the woman or the boy would ask the girl for some water, he would be able to know based on her behavior just how much of an interest she might have in him. If she gave him the water with a smile, for example, then he could assume that maybe he would have an opportunity to talk with her father about the two of them maybe getting married. If she did not smile when she gave him the drink, if she gave him some scowl of some kind, some expression of disgust, then he would likely know that this conversation probably shouldn't go any further than can I just get some water to drink. That was how they did things back then. And so when Jesus asks this woman for a drink of water at the well, this would be the assumption. The assumption would be that maybe Jesus has an interest in her. He is asking her if he can have some water, but he's also asking her if maybe she would be interested in perhaps talking about a relationship. And so this opens up a conversation that follows from here. Jesus certainly is not speaking to her about the idea of having a relationship with her. He uses the opportunity to begin a conversation that he's able to use in order to reveal himself as the Messiah to the Samaritans. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This program is the 13th program in the verse-by-verse study on the Gospel of John. In this program, I introduced John chapter 4, where I spoke about the history of the Samaritans. This is important to understand because the conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well is filled with all kinds of subtleties that are related to the struggle that existed between the Samaritans and the Jews. And so in this program, I explain the history of the Samaritans and the origins and the different kinds of conflicts that they had with the Jews since the Jews returned from Babylon. And in the next program, I'll explain how these details are relevant to the conversation that Jesus had and how they are relevant to the reactions that his disciples had when they discovered him talking with the woman at the well. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,